For those of you here for the first time, this is week number four, or message number four in a series that we're doing on healing, deliverance from demons, something we haven't looked at in this depth before. In fact, as I look back over the years, um, the last time we did anything in depth would have been in Dublin a long time ago, and God put a great, came upon the church with a great power at that time for deliverance and for healing. It was a great learning experience for me and there was one other occasion as well so this is this is very interesting um when god gives a word he provides the tools to accomplish it amen turn if you will to the book of hosea chapter 4 the book of hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 hosea 4 6 many times in the old testament it talks to us about how God's people are destroyed, the mechanism of the devil for destroying you and for destroying me. His mechanisms, his ways, his tools are very often surprising. Don't answer the question, but how do you think God's going to destroy you? Sorry, the devil would seek to destroy you. How do you think he would do that? Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. This is God talking, My people are destroyed for lack of... Of knowledge. Not not the only time in the Old Testament it says that. We're destroyed because of things that we don't know. We're doing a series about the demonic, a series about how to break free from spirits and demons, etc. And you know what, folks? The very people who need the deliverance are the ones that will argue with us that they don't need to know this stuff. And that's why people get trapped for so many years. You know, who needs to know this stuff? We all need to know this stuff. And that, as we began this series, we said that people are struggling with the same problems at 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60, and that is because of a lack of of knowledge or that the foundations were never put in right. And that's what we're seeking to do in this series, is to dig deep down and maybe, you know when you break your arm, Some people, their arm is always twisted because when they set it, it wasn't set right. You know? What do you have to do then? You have to snap the thing again. And that's a painful process. But it is an unavoidable process. Especially if the church or the culture or the tradition that you came to Christ in did not lead you to Christ properly, thoroughly, then you can be a bit of a mess in later life, I'm afraid. How we start out the church that we go to is is actually critical with these things. The Scripture uses these words in most of your translation. The words oppressed by demons or possessed by demons. And they kind of scare people, you know. And they're like, am I possessed? Is she possessed? Well, it's English is often a problem. And I've run into so many problems over the last few weeks in preparation for this series. Particularly this series, actually. Um, I've sought people who are actually doing it. I've sought out experts around the world, people who have a long track history, Reinhard Bonke, and I've studied his approach, Derek Prince, who's accepted across the board, by and large, nearly every denomination across the world have accepted him in. That's a good stamp of approval. So I've clarified just about everything I'm going to say with those guys' perspective on it. Okay? Have I driven out demons? Yes. Probably 
you know, not even dozens in my time in meetings that we've done when people have come and said they're free. But that's minuscule in comparison to others and we need to listen to their advice. So in terms of the Greek and the word oppressed or possessed, Derek Prince, for example, believes that it's not possible for a born-again believer to be possessed. And I understand why. Because if you're born again, deep inside you is your spirit. And in 1 John, it says that your spirit is complete. It is protected. If you like, by God, your spirit does not sin. When you sin, you sin in your soul. Or you sin in your flesh. But your spirit is perfect. And 1 John is a very confusing book to many people because it's the spirit that he's referring to there when he talks that way. Okay? So, but Christians do get oppressed by demonic spirits by evil spirits or unclean spirits. It's all the same thing. Of course they do. And you can be affected by demons in your body, physically, or in your soul, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions. And I think back over my life. I had one terrible experience in this. And it was in Singapore. Now, I'm a very easygoing guy. I, I, I thank God for my disposition you know, I, I'm an easygoing person. Things don't bother me much, much. <laughs> and we were going out this day. I was going out with a couple of my colleagues, and we head down, and the restaurant is like, you know, half a mile away. So we start, and they said, let's get the bus. So what do you want to get the bus for? The restaurant's there. And they said, no, we want to get the bus. Oh, for heaven's sake, guys. You know, get a life. Walk down the thing. They said, no, we want to. I said, okay, we get the bus. Well... Did I get angry? Do you know what? As I, as I stood at that bus stop, my whole personality changed. I completely changed as a person. And I became furious. Now, I'm not like that. I'm very easygoing. But I went into a sulk. I withdrew. And I stood there and I got into a mindset that I have never been in my life before or since. Thank God. It was a one-off. But I withdrew from those two friends. And I was in a deep, rotten, horrible, evil mood. And I got on that bus. I couldn't even look at them. Such a bad fury was in me. And we got to the restaurant and my good friend David looked at me and I had started to pray. I thought, God, what on earth has come over me? And David sort of slapped me and he said, You didn't want to get the bus, did you? <laughs> you know, and that kind of broke me free. I've never forgotten that. That happened to me once and it lasted for about a two-minute, three-minute journey on a bus. Do you know some, pe some Christians live like that? Some people live with people like that for 10 years or 15 years. What came over me? Well, I believe it was a spirit. I believe that there was a spirit somehow there and I was affected by that spirit. Now I'm born again. It didn't touch my Holy, the Holy Ghost within me, right? It didn't touch my spirit. I'm still protected. But in my soul realm, that day I got affected. Do you understand me? And this is the problem we want to get to. That some of you are still dealing with issues. 20 years later, and I tell you folks, we need to wake up and get with the game plan because God has provided everything we need to deal with these things. So a Christian, be, be secure this morning, folks. God has put His Spirit with, within you and He kind of protects that Spirit if you like. 
So what do we need delivered from? Well, who needs deliverance and what do we need deliverance from? We all need deliverance, <laughs> right? Do you know in the Our Father, we say the Our Father every day or whatever, Our Father who art in heaven, deliver us from... So, Jesus has got these crowd of people following Him and they can see that He's successful and powerful in what He's doing and they say, teach us how to pray and He leads them through a prayer and in that prayer, by the way, it's our Father, it's it's Christians, it's believers, it's not not a prayer for the lost, our Father, He's talking talking about the church, our Father, deliver us. Deliver us. So once you start to think that you're an exception, that's when the problem starts. Once you think you're above all this, or it's not going to affect you, that's when the problem starts. So according to Jesus, we all need help and deliverance because this is an evil world. This is a wicked world. The reason we were asking, Pastor Everson here asked you to pray on Saturdays, was because down there yesterday, you know, Marianne and John and Gordon and myself were down there witnessing and preaching the gospel, but it was hard, wasn't it? And Jeanette, sorry, it was hard, wasn't it? There was a hard atmosphere. There was a tough atmosphere, tougher probably than many weeks. And John came up this morning quite rightly and he said, did you find it hard? Yeah, absolutely, I found it tough, tough day. Good conversations, but it was a tough day. And we need, what's that? What's causing that? Evil spirits. Oppression. Oppression when you're trying to minister to people and you're not getting through. There's some blockage there. So folks, you need to pray. You need to pray. And particularly pray between 10 and 12 when you know, people are down there witnessing. And come along. Come along and join us. The more people we get, the better. Okay? Between 10 and 12 on Saturdays, we won't keep you long. You can come. But God will always provide that one person that is just there for you and you'll be the key for them. So don't miss it. So who needs deliverance? Well, we all need deliverance because there's a wicked world out there. There's evil out there and Jesus says, you know, pray that you be delivered from, freed from that. You see, guys, who controls you? Who controls your life, your direction, your decisions? You've got three choices. Either Jesus, so the Holy Ghost, is controlling you, or you are controlling you, or there's a third option. What's that? It's not good. It's one of the three. That's right. It's one of the three. Either you are controlling you, Jesus is controlling you, and if it's neither of those two, we're in trouble. So if I am behaving in a way that I don't want to, so I'm not under control, and I know that God doesn't want me to, so God's not under control. Oh, now I'm in trouble. If I am behaving or acting in a way that I don't want to, but I'm still doing it. And I've tried everything, but I'm still doing it. And it's not me as such. And this is where the area, this is the zone, if you like, where deliverance comes into its own. It could be your sex life. Sexual habits. It could be addictions. Very often it's food. Very common today. It could be your emotions, your temper. It can be relationships. That somehow you just cannot form relationships and you know it. You need to deal with it. You need to face up to it. 
But what I mean, you analyze yourself. Remember, the most important person in this room at this moment is not the person sitting beside you, friend. It's you. You need to think about yourself. Each one of us, focus on yourself. Three main areas the devil seeks to, to, to wind us up in or to oppress us in or influence us in. The mind. By causing people to be in torment, mental torment. Sound familiar? It's all too familiar. All too familiar. The first area is the mind. The second area is the emotions, our emotions and our attitudes. Where we, you know, after years of being unable to control our attitudes, they're still coming out bad. Still coming out wrong. Still crashing with people. And the words that come out of our mouth, we know Jesus wouldn't want us to say them. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're saying things that you don't want to say, and you know that Jesus doesn't want you to say, I need to watch myself. Now, in everything we do in this series, we need to direct you to Jesus Christ. Amen. To the Holy Ghost, to the power of God. And that's why we started in that place. Over the years, you get a certain type of person that comes up to you in meetings. Not just meetings like this, but all sorts of meetings. And they're the type that say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Pastor, would you pray for me? Pastor, would you pray for me? No problem praying for people. Pray for people constantly. I believe in prayer. But I've got a problem with people who come to me and, you know, they're almost approaching you like you're a go-between. That's not, you know, we have one advocate before the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. Why don't you pray to God? Why aren't you praying? And there's many people like that. And that can cause them to get stuck, you know. Uh, Remember, in Scripture, God Himself can supernaturally, if someone's got a demon, God can supernaturally just choose to deliver that person because He wants to do something with them. Or another person with the gift of healing and deliverance can go and deliver that person. And the third and the best is that that person's own faith delivers them by their faith. And Jesus always commended that because it was personal. Okay? So it's never, I never feel comfortable with people who are constantly seeking someone because I know whatever victory they get in their lives, it's, in scriptural terms, Jesus described it as shaky when he drove out a demon or healed the sick and it was him doing it. He would say, go, but be careful. Be careful that something worse doesn't happen you, remember? He would give warnings in those scenarios because the faith was not actually in the person. So, folks, I thank God, and I'm sure you do too, that I don't need to be oppressed by any evil And God has given me power over demons. Okay? I have power to bind and to cast out demons here or anywhere else that God uses me. But you know what I haven't got power over? Your will. I haven't got power over your will. And if you don't cooperate with me, like the guy with the water thing I mentioned last week, he didn't want to cooperate with me, you see? He wouldn't help us. He, he was using his own will to some degree, I believe, to block us out and to stop us, to try and withhold, you know, whatever was happening there. So I've got power over demons, no problem. But I don't have power over your will. And that's what I want to talk about today. How we as a group of people here, we need to work together on these things, guys. We need to work together, like with evangelism with the homeless. We need to work together because we need each other. Amen. We need each other. Absolutely. 
And I want us to go through a process here today of preparing myself for walking in freedom in this life. Preparing myself for walking in life in all its fullness that God promised me that I would have. Promised you that you would have. He's not a liar. He's telling you the truth. But some other blockage has crept in and I'm going to break it in all ways, shapes and forms of our lives and of these congregations. You can say amen there. Hallelujah. And we can be an example of that freedom that Christ has promised. What? I'm, going to, I'm not going to spend too much time on these. Don't be frightened by the list. But I want us to pray on each score. These are typical blockages that stop people from moving into freedom. Okay? The freedom that, and the power that God has promised us and provided for us, but we don't often access. Number one, passivity. Scripture says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Okay. It doesn't mean say sorry before you go to sleep, actually. No problem saying sorry before you go to sleep. That's absolutely right to do that if you've upset somebody. But that's not the context of that scripture. The context of that scripture is spiritual warfare. The context of, 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 of that verse is fighting the devil. And it's talking about being angry against what? Evil and sin and the devil. It's talking about fighting back. And what God is saying, don't let the sun go down on your aggression against the kingdom of darkness. Don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. That's what that verse means. Don't go to sleep. Wake up. Rise up. Fight back. And passivity will see you destroyed. A little folding of the arms, as Proverbs put it, will see you in ruins. And believe me, more than any other ministry in the whole world, right? This that we're talking about now requires tip-top spirituality, if I can put it that way. Tip-top strength. And we, we were exhausted. We've been out every evening, I think, about... 13, 14 evenings in a row. And I was absolutely shattered yesterday. And we went to bed. We got home and went straight to bed. And I slept. But I had to get up. I had to drag ourselves out of bed in the middle of the night. Because I believe in these things. I believe in them, folks. I believe they're real. And you can't afford to sleep. You can't afford to sleep. Do you hear me? If you're going to fight, and I am, and I will... And I thank God I'm on the winning side. But don't be a dreamer. And don't play games. I'm not going to repeat the testimonies. I've told you testimonies of people who came to work with us in various situations that were terrible situations. People whose lives were destroyed because they didn't take it seriously. They thought they could tamper with it. Come on. Come on. Look at the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts. When they saw the apostles drive out demons, they thought, oh, we'd like that, we'd like to do that. Remember? What happened to them? Stripped naked! And kicked out! And what, what did the demons say? Jesus I know! And Paul I know! But who are you? You only get strength in one place, folks. Where is it? On your knees! On your knees before God! Turn the TV off for a minute. Forget your dinner. And get some strength into your life. Some power into your life. Come on. Those demons should not have ruled yesterday, John. They should not rule. Is somebody sleeping? Somebody sleeping? We stood outside the Tron. You know the Tron in Glasgow. They've recently sided with homosexuality. They're going to ordain gay ministers. 
And we were right outside that building yesterday, and that's where we were preaching. And you know what? I had four conversations. All four conversations were about gay. All four. So don't talk to me about spirits. When that building has just dedicated itself, if you like, to gay marriage, etc. And there we were, all four people that stopped for any length of time, all four, and one guy stopped, he saw me with a leaflet, he said, oh, yay! And he was in a wheelchair, automatic wheelchair, came over with a big smile, and he said, good, you Christians? Yeah, he said, so am I. I thought, praise God. He said, give us a leaflet. I said, what church do you go to? And he said, blah, 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 I can't remember. And he said, yeah, my pastor's a woman. I said, oh, fine. She's gay. She's lesbian. She's living with her friend. We've got to love one another, brother. We've got to love one another. So I got down beside him. I said, let me tell you something. You're on a very dangerous, very dangerous road. And I started to tell him the errors that he was involved in. And then he needed to get preached to the pastor to get saved and then get out of that church. Well, he nearly ran over my foot to get away from me. You know, it was like, stuff you. Okay. Four in a row. Because of spirits, you see. Spirits. Pray, folks. These things are real. Real things. Passivity. Passivity will have the devil chop your head off. Because you're asleep. So get with the game plan and get at it. Get active. Get fasting. Get praying. Number two. How do we get blockages to freedom when God wants to set us free or wants to use us? Wanting attention. This is a huge issue within people. In fact, it's one of the most common issues. I, did I want attention ever in my life? Yes. When I was a young minister and come in, there's a certain way uh, as a new believer that you want the affirmation of people, that you get a certain thrill out of applause. And it's never right, but it's understandable in a young person, just like with kids, right? You know, they want attention and all that. But you can't stay like that. You can't stay like that. And we have many young pastors, and we know they need affirmation, need this, that, and the other. But you know what, folks? There's a dividing line here. There's a dividing line here. (laughs) You can't go... If you're going to lead worship or do whatever, you need to get over this attention thing. Big time. It's a problem, I'm telling you, because as soon as you get into ministry, there's going to be a lot of eyes on you. There's going to be a lot of attention on you. And you're going to do something, then you need to have this thing well and truly dealt with. Are you with me? Because it will destroy you. It destroyed many people. They let it grow up within them. People like attention and seek attention. And so they don't want to give up their old habits or old ways. And a couple of examples of that in Scripture, isn't there? Where people didn't get healed, they didn't move because they wanted to stay the way they were. Because that's how they got attention. I'm saying, folks, be very careful of that one. I can't remember when that died. I can't remember. I can't remember when that died in me. But it died in me. It died in me. And that's why I talk to you the way I do. Because I don't care if you walk through the door. I think you get that bit. I'm not here to serve you. I'm not here to please you. I don't need your slap on the back. I don't need a round of applause from any of you. I serve God. I love you. And I'll do everything I can to help you. But I will never put you first. Never. 
ever. Because that's the only safe place for you and me. Because then the Spirit of God stays with me and He's been with me a long time. Thank God. But it's not a tension for me. And I counsel you, I warn you, get all of that out of your mind and out of your heart because spirits hang around that. Do you know what? Remember, we read it last week. What did Satan want? I will lift myself up. I will exalt myself. I will be seen by everyone. I, 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 I will be... What's that called? Attention. Seeking attention. Drawing attention to himself. You can draw attention to yourself in a thousand ways by making a song and dance routine or by withdrawal or any myriad of, of ways to actually get focus on you. So don't be foolish and be aware of the games of the devil. The people aren't stupid. Right. We're not children. These are children's games, aren't they? Children's games. Be careful. Don't be passive. You cannot be passive. The kingdom of God belongs to violent men. Violent men. Twice Jesus said it. The kingdom of God belongs to violent men. He's talking about people who will go in and bind demons and set people free. And he says they're violent. He's not talking about physical. Number three. Failure to move away from bad relationships when bad relationships come into our lives, you know, not sent by God. You've got to be careful, folks. Who are your friends? Bad company corrupts good character. And we can give all the advice we want, but so often bad friendships take a root in people. And I would have too many testimonies to tell you this. Let me tell you one story of a very sad story. This guy was coming to our church and he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was very full of life at the time. Um, he had had a, quite a troubled history, had attempted murder, and he had spent a long time in jail and stuff. But he was very free and very good, actually, a great evangelist. One day he comes into the church and he says, a guy in my apartment block is a Satanist, and I want you to come and talk to him because I've got friendly with him. So I said, you know what? You shouldn't be friendly. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll come over. So I go over. Man, I did not like this guy at all. He had a goat's head on his back, you know, the sign of the devil. He had a satanic ring on his finger. And he was a self-confessed Satanist. So I told him, right and straight and loud and clear, this is who you're partying with, friend. You need to repent of this and you need to get out of Satanism, repent of your sin and get saved because you're going to hell. Forever. There's no joke. And... That was our first encounter, and the guy was okay. He was actually okay about it. He, you know, let me think about it. I said, you need to take that ring off, and you need to get the coat burned. It's a sign of the devil. You don't want that in your back, mate. So we went out, and my friend Rob said, okay, you know, I think that went well. <laughs> and he said, you know, a few weeks go by, he said he wants to talk to you again. Now, remember, folks, everybody listen. I've said this about three times, and I have a reason, because I want you to get it. In ministry over the years, I've learned this. When people are worldly, I will work with them. Because you're all worldly. <laughs> we're all worldly. Right? Because we're in the world. You have, you have to deal with that. We don't want to be worldly, but I will work with worldly people. When people are in the flesh, we work with them. Your spirit is not actually, we don't want to be in the flesh, we'll do everything to overcome the flesh and crucify the flesh. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you can work with them. You know where I'm going, don't you? The world, the flesh, the devil. This is where I will draw the line every time. Every t I will not work with the devil. I will not party with the devil. Jesus drove out, right? 
drove out with a word. And that's what we do with the devil. So what you had in this, in this guy, he said he wants to talk to you again. Will you come back to his flat? I said, listen, Robbie, I'm not going to stop with the devil because that's literally what you're asking me to do here. I will go back to the flat, but I'm going to give him an ultimatum. You're going to give me that jacket, you're giving me that ring, you're going to repent or I'm out of here and I won't be back. You can come to me. And that's what I did. I went to the apartment, slightly different spirit and attitude this time, but I confronted him. He would not cooperate with me. But you know what the sad bit is? Neither would my friend. And Robbie stopped attending our church, and when I rang him up or met him, I said, where where, where have you been? I said, you, you're hot and cold with my friend, my dear friend. You you say you want him to repent, and then you, you said you're not coming back. I actually kicked my dust off my feet when I left that house. I wanted him to know the seriousness of his sickness. I want to save him. I want to save him. I want him to know the seriousness of his situation. So, Robbie never came back to our church. Said I was bad. Lacked patience. No, I'll have all the patience for the world and the flesh. But not this situation. So, that was it. You win some, you lose some. It must have been two years. And I was very near our church building. And in the distance came a man carrying shopping bags. And you know when someone's on tranquilizers, a heavy dose of tranquilizers, their whole physical self slumps and their faith drops and they lose the the shuffle. And in the distance, I saw this man with shopping bags. I thought, man, he looks like Robbie. It's not Robbie. It's that. Is that Robbie? And as I got closer, he wasn't aware of anybody in his world now. I said, Robbie? And he looked up. Oh, hi, Pastor Mike. And do you know what he said to me? Jesus. He said, remember? Remember the three things you told me to do? I didn't do. And he said, well, I can't remember what they were. Robbie, you need to do one, get rid of this friend, two and three. He quoted them straight off. Remember, I didn't remember. You told me I had to do this, that. If I had done that, it would have been okay. But I didn't. And he's just devastated. His life's wrecked, ruined. I said, Robbie, come back. No, come back to the church, look. We'll sort you out. Give me a But he didn't want to stay. He said, you know, it's too late now. Remember the darkness? Remember the darkness over Buddy? He's my friend. He's leading me. It's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. You need to walk in the light. You need to walk in the light. And we need to listen to our parents and listen to counsel and follow advisedly like we were doing in Strathclyde this Wednesday night. Walk advisedly. Walk advisedly. I mean that by the Word of God. Walk in accordance with the Word of God. Right? And you will be safe. Put one foot in front of the other with the counsel of God. So passivity will destroy you. Wanting attention is terrible because it's, there's, uh, demons hang around that place. Bad relationships, you need to make a decision about where you're at in terms of the relationships in your life and be willing to cut some and renew others and form new ones, etc. Number four, ignorance of God's will. My people perish 
for lack of knowledge, the scripture says. So I've got to accept that. And I don't need to have my own opinion. Not asking you your opinion. I've already got God's opinion. It's knowledge. It's a lack of deep understanding that has people perishing, that has them destroyed. I accept that. I accept that. And I will endeavor to get God's knowledge into my head, my spirit, my heart. Number five, and this is a serious one, probably the most serious one on the list, actually. And that is just downright unbelief leaves us caught and under bad influences because we don't believe that we have the power. That's what last week's message was all about. So that you get convinced that you have power. Do you understand? You need to. That's where your power comes from. I understand that the demons are beneath my feet. I understand the principalities and powers are controlled by God. That I've got the name of Jesus. That I'm seated in the heavenly realm. We'll cover that later. Right? I understand this great position that Christ has put me in as a believer. Not an unbeliever. Not an unbeliever. Number five. Unbelief keeps people in bondage. Now, here's a question for you. If I was to ask you to make a list of sins that God hates, where would you put unbelief? It's amazing. Look at Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. I'll read this for Joyce. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. These are, the, these are the first line of people described by their character types being put into hell, folks. What's the first one? Cowardly. People who, who wouldn't stand against the fears. There's many fears and you have to face up to your fears. Amen. You're not on the retreat. We're on the advance. But the cowardly, there it is. The unbelieving the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars are consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It couldn't get more serious, folks. Do you know one of the problems? Everybody look up. You know one of the problems? When it comes to someone who's unbelieving or negative, unbelieving, unbelief and negativity are sisters, twin sisters. You can't separate the two. If you have negative speech, here that negativity, that unbelief is, is in the same category as murderers, the vile, those who practice magic arts, idolaters, and all liars, because unbelief is lying against what? The truth of the Word of God. The truth of God's Word. The truth of what He's done and will do and can do and wants to do. And when I don't agree with God... I, 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 I know not what I do. Ye know not what ye do. When you let negative speech come out of your mouth, God detests that. It is a vile, wicked, wicked, wicked sin. Oh, it's just a little bit of unbelief in me. This is how unbelief is treated today. Like some namby-pamby little thing that we'll get over eventually. That is not how Scripture approaches it. Do you understand? It's a serious thing here. Very serious thing. I have had an enormous resistance to unbelief within me, really, you know, since I've been saved, but particularly since I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and in fire many years ago. 
God poured His Spirit on me powerfully. And I tell you, when I got up off that floor, really it's like a tennis match. You know, you send that ball back and every negative thing that comes, I'll send it back. It's kind of automatic. And it's in your system. My point is, one of the first things God does to you when He fills you is take away what? Negativity. You just cannot see it that way. You don't, you know, he, He changes you so that you believe Him and that's your first thought. That's my first instinct. It's that, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Unbelief, no good, folks. No good. And I chastise you about your own faith. I even chastise you about your own salvation. Again, those four people, the last one I believe John also had a conversation with. Absolutely lovely lady, but so lost. And I was trying to encourage her to to go back and repent. Do you know, the devil believes in God. You know that. Scripture says the devil believes in God and he trembles because of it. And most of those people on the street yesterday were saying, I'm a Christian because I go to church and because I believe in God. And I had to say several times, my friend, you're not a Christian because you go to church. Right? Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a horse burger. Right? You're not a Christian because you go to church. You're not a Christian because you believe in God. The devil believes in God and trembles. Romans chapter 1 and 2 says that all men actually have a belief there, an instinctive knowledge of God. You're a Christian because you repent of your sin. Because a day comes in your life, and I trust most of you can remember it, when you repented of your sin. Remember the four steps. Each one is critical. Without repentance, you don't get to the second one. What's the second one? Belief. Faith. Not unbelief. You repent, repent, believe, be baptized, and receive. The four steps of salvation. But without proper repentance, you end up with the guys we met yesterday who have a false faith. And I I, I said to, to one lady, I said, I am warning you, dear, you're going back to your church. And those people are slapping you on the back. They're encouraging you down the wrong road. Because I do not believe that this is... I don't believe what you're saying to me here is actually salvation. This is the root of it. Never actually repented. You can't... you know where I'm going? Do you understand? Without repentance, it's not true belief. It'll be unbelief. And unbelief will keep you trapped. Oh, people will encourage you? But you you may not be saved. That's why the first word out of Jesus, Peter, and John the Baptist... In all three ministries recorded in Scripture, the first word was not, you know, Christian. It was, repent from your sin, name your sin, and tell me what you're repenting of. And I think that's a great practice. So someone says, I'm going to repent today, tell me what from. Tell me what you're repenting from. Name those sins. Then you can start Trusting that, like with Zechariah, when he paid back seven or whatever it was, Jesus, truly salvation has come to this house. Because Jesus could see practical repentance. And I ask you folks, have you repented? Are you properly saved? Because if you haven't, then you can't have proper faith as such. You can't have belief. Repent, believe, and we'll come to uh, baptism in a moment. Before we do that, let me just ask... Sorry, Ian, could you help me? 
Chris, please. Thank you. Look at this. Here we have two individuals. Now, let's say they're both... Let's say Ian is working in the ministry of driving out demons. Okay, okay, Brenda? <laughs> and let's say Chris is an evangelist. Okay? Hold hands. If you don't mind. There's nothing funny going on. <laughs> Hold hands. This is, this is what the Scripture says. That these two ministries work hand in hand. That's what they do. The ministry of evangelism and the ministry of driving out demons and, and power over spirits. Now, just let go. Now, if I was the devil, you need to lose some weight. <laughs> That's what I would do. That's what I would do. I would separate the ministry of deliverance from evangelism. That, and then I would make them both, maybe not powerless, but they would both be so much less effective. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Take a look. I'll show you. Look, look at, for example, Matthew chapter 10. Look at this. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. This is when Jesus sends out the 12 apostles to preach the gospel. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 12. Thanks, Gordon. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These twelve, so this is the twelve he's sending out, these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclamation, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Okay? That was the commission of the twelve. Now, turn to Luke's gospel chapter 10, and let me show you the 72. Look at this, and look at this commission. They're being sent out once again to preach the gospel, but also to, also to drive out demons, to preach the gospel and drive out demons. Look at uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two. Notice the team was not two. The team was 72, and the subgroup was two. It's an important point because you need the power of numbers. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers of you ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs amongst wolves, etc., etc. And then if you turn to verse 17, same chapter, verse 17, and take a look what they say when they come back. Chapter 10, Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. Take a look at Acts chapter 8, verse 5. There's only two people in Scripture called an evangelist. Who are they? Jesus and Philip. Only two people record and are actually referred to as evangelists. But look at the ministry of the evangelist in Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip, so he's preaching the gospel, and they saw the signs and the wonders he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. 
You're beginning to get the picture. Matthew chapter 28, last one. Look at this. So, Jesus calls the twelve to preach the gospel, evangelism, and to drive out demons. Then he calls the 72 to preach the gospel and to drive out demons. And then finally, the Great Commission to all of us here today. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I well, commanded you. Well, what did he just command them? To preach the gospel and to drive out demons. My point is, I believe that God is bringing power, has already brought power into this place. And that power is to be used not in one, but actually in two ways. In the preaching of the gospel, evangelism, and in the driving out of... The very ministry... Do you know they estimate one-third of the life of Jesus was spent in deliverance ministry? One-third in time. And do you, know what, do you know what the problem lies? Or at least the dangers lie? In the separation of these things. Right? And as a church, by all means, particularly with Pastor Tom and Helen's ministry, as we hear locally and they internationally, we need to preach the gospel and deliver. We need to preach the gospel and deliver. And I want to see this in all of our churches across Europe. If we get this right, because I believe the timing is right, I believe the power, God doesn't waste his power, God's economy. And I believe there's power here, because I can feel it. I can feel it. And it's here for a purpose. Thank God. Jim Top gave a prophecy this week. In recent weeks, the presence of the Holy Spirit has grown stronger. New ministries are opening up. And God is leading others to go out and use their gifts for His glory. God says, if you, there is a new wave of the Holy Spirit coming soon. Catch it. And it will take you to places that you have not seen. And you will do things that you have not done before. It will take you into a deeper relationship with Him. There's a new wave of the Holy Spirit coming. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 says that the angels that are in the stratosphere, Athea, are cast down upon the earth in the last days. The same thing, if you like, that happened in Genesis with the Nephilim. Same thing. There's terrible times ahead for this planet. You know that? Terrible times described. In, so terrible you couldn't... Hollywood couldn't dream them up. Couldn't dream them up. So the things that we've been through are actually going to be repeated. That's why we need to understand about the Nephilim. Because it's coming up. Okay? It happened in Genesis. It happened three times more in the Old Testament. And the Bible says it's going to happen again. So we need to fully understand what we're dealing with. So stick around, folks. You will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. These two things are together. It's not about attention. It's about the Gospel. It's not about ministries for our churches or New Mercy or anything like that. It's not about that, folks. What's it about? It's about the Gospel. It's about the Gospel. Trust me. God will be very economical with His power. And when you preach the gospel, 
you will find that what follows it? Signs and wonders. And when Jesus did, I can't remember which the scripture was, when Jesus drove out the demon, he said, I do these things that ye might believe. And do, I'm performing these things so that faith would reach you, so that you would get saved. So it's not, we're not talking here about any show like so much, you know, you see on TV with Christian stuff. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the power of God to save souls. And together with that, inextricable, are these two ministries, deliverance and the preaching of the gospel. We will not separate them. And so, John, when you ask us to pray on Saturday, I say amen. Pray on Saturday. And pray for a transformation of our team, Gordon. That when we go down, it won't be as it was. That Marianne, ask God to show you things, like he did with you when you showed me that man. That's deliverance, Jeanette. That man had a spirit. He said to me, his father introduced him to spiritists. And he said the only healing he got, that's deliverance. And I said to that man, let me pray for you because this is an evil spirit, brother. This is not right. You're not right. Let me pray for the Holy Spirit. That's deliverance. Hallelujah. And we need to transform our evangelism team, not just here, but all over Europe, and take the churches to where they originally were told to go. Amen. Mark chapter 1. It's not a comfortable or tidy business. Deliverance is a messy business very often and a confusing business to the crowds. That's life. Mark chapter 1, verse 23. The first miracle Jesus performed in his ministry period. Just then, a man in their just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, "What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet," said Jesus sternly. He's talking to the demon, not to the man. "Be quiet," said Jesus sternly. So he shouted at the demon, "Come out of him!" The impure spirit shook the man violently, and then came out of him with a shriek. The first recorded example there, you know there's many recorded examples in Scripture of when people got delivered or got healed or whatever. And very often it will say a woman who was bent in two for 28 years or a a boy who was thrown into fits for many years. But in this case, it doesn't say that. In this case, it says there was a man who's in the synagogue. Churchgoer. No previous signs of anything evil, no previous signs of anything demonic. No, until Jesus walked in, <laughs> right? Listen, folks, listen. Jesus had walked around the streets of Jerusalem for 30 years. No demons popped out. <laughs> no demons popped out. He's walking through the streets. He's a carpenter. He goes to get the milk. You know the story. He's growing up. No demons appear. No record of demons. Why? There's no power. And the day came when the Holy Ghost came upon him and he was anointed with power from on high and he enters into the ministry. Now he walks into you know, probably synagogue he's been in before there in Jerusalem. And what happens? Pop. Out comes the demon can't sit quiet, you see? Because it feels the pressure of the power of God. 
in that place. You understand, folks? Because this is exactly where we're at. The power of God is in this room. Amen. And when you feel conviction, don't run from the conviction. Maybe you've done that all your life. And when you feel the, the Holy Ghost challenging you on your you know, attitudes, your personality, your character, whatever it is in you, you're a very foolish person if you don't face it. Amen. Very foolish. Because first you need to be set free. Free, top of your notes. <laughs> free to free. First I need to be set free. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to free other people. But there's no hope, there's no chance. In fact, it's downright dangerous if I try to free people when I'm not free myself. That, 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 that's a fool's path. And so it's critical that I accept the Holy Ghost and His conviction and I conform my personality and my character and my ways to the ways of God and walk in the light where safety is. I won't spend time on these last ones, but you know them. We dealt with number six last Sunday night. That was a powerful meeting, amen? Last Sunday night was, was sensational. I thought it was probably one of the best meetings we've had for a very, very, very long time. Powerful presence of God, enormous repentance going on, and shockingly, you know, good. It was a great time. So don't miss it, folks. Please, come along tonight. We will seek the Lord and let Him continue His work in us. Unconfessed sin, uh, bad midwives, number seven. This is an important one, actually, because if you turn to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. Repent, believe, be baptized, and receive. You must receive the Holy Ghost to be safe and secure as a Christian. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. We're talking about bad midwives who don't lead people to Christ correctly. Matthew 12, verse 43. When an impure spirit, a demon, comes out of a person, it goes through arid places. Do you know I often look at that and I think of all these things that happen in America? You know, uh, what's, what the guys, Mormons? They're in the desert. Salt Lake City. If you've ever flown over that area, you'll see all the white patches of salt. But Mormonism is completely demonic. The headquarters is in the desert. And then you've got Whacko Jacko. Remember the guy who went out into the desert? And you've got all these mad things emanating out of, I mean truly, out of arid, dry, lifeless places on the earth. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through the arid places seeking rest. And it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house. That's the person. I will return to the house I left, or were driven out of. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, clean, and put in order. When it returns, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, clean, and put in order. Then it goes and finds seven spirits worse, worse than itself and goes and lives in it. T terrible, terrible story by Jesus there. Terrible example by him. Now look at those three things. He, when, when the spirit returns, it finds the house unoccupied, swept, and clean. Which of the three is a problem? Unoccupied. Unoccupied. So God's come into someone's life. They've been swept clean. They've been put in order, set in order. But they're not occupied. We traveled enormously in America. Some, I mean, you know, I was thinking yesterday, 
the state of Texas is five times the size of Britain. Right? Just one state. And America is an enormous place. And we drove, myself and, and Pastor Rick, drove about five years ago for, for, for days and weeks crisscrossing America. And sometimes we'd be heading towards some of the big interstates and we, he would be falling asleep, you know, because he, he did that all the time. And he would be saying, we need to get in, we need to sleep, we need a hotel, keep your eye out. And we'd get off on, on, off the highway and he'd say, keep your eye out for that sign. What's the sign? Vacancy. Vacancy. Keep your eye out and when the light is on, tell me because I need to pull in. And when there's a sign saying vacancy, it's a great big invite saying, I'm free. I'm free. It's a great big problem. You understand? There needs to be a sign saying, <laughs> no vacancies here. Full house. Okay? That's the only way we can be secure. Repent. Believe. Be baptized in water and receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now really, to be honest, I don't care how many times we need to, to face this. I'm going to take it from this perspective. Pastor Tom's going to take it from another perspective over the coming weeks. And then we'll take it from another perspective and we will keep on knocking until we see people free. Amen. Now, not just in here, but outside this building. I hope you're getting it. I hope you're getting it. God is giving us principles here. If we make a commitment, we are not going to draw... We, I tell you what. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get angry just, just like that, see? We will never draw attention to this church. That's not what I do. It's not why I do it. And certain churches go down that road. We will never draw fame to ourselves, let me tell you. No, you, no we will not. And some people even left this church because we went on television. You think I went on television because I wanted to be seen? Oh, get a grip on yourself. Get a grip. Stupid. Stupid. And I will not let fame corrupt what God wants to do. There's only one name here. That's Jesus Christ. And God's beginning to install here principles. His glory. His name. His fame. His kingdom. And he wants to establish it. That means all my flesh has to die away. The last one there, crucify the flesh, not the devil. You can't crucify the devil, folks. And many people try to do that. Makes them feel better. It's not the devil that's supposed to be crucified. It's you. It's, the scripture says to us, crucify your flesh. What do we do with the devil? We drive him out. And I'm sorry to say, I am sorry to say, we can't interchange the two. And you can spend your life trying to damage the devil in that way and that's just simply not going to work. You need to look at yourself. That's why I said the most important person in here is you. The most important person is you. The day that you accept yourself, deal with yourself, and then you can receive that power, walk in that power, and I believe that that's where God wants to take us. We're not finished yet. Let me invite the worship team to take their places, if you will. But we're not done yet. Why don't we just cool it a minute? I won't keep you long. But since we're here, and since we have these things before us, 
Why don't you think about these? If, if, if we don't change today, when are we going to change? Four months? Four more months and then the harvest? Another ten years and then I'll change, is it? Remember? You, you, you are deceived. That's the heart of deception. It's putting things off for another day. Wait till next year. You won't, you won't even recognize me. It's going to be so filled with the Holy Spirit next year, you won't believe it. Come on. That's, that, that belief, that fake belief has kept you trapped. Not changing for decades. What day is the day of salvation? Today. Salvation means, you know, it's a full story here. Body, soul, and spirit. And it means I need to open myself up to whatever. What's your blockage, friend? You could have won. I, I need to look at all of this list. I happily accept issues with all of these things. I need to increase my faith. Right? I need help on all of these things. I need to be more aggressive and pray more avidly. I need to fast more. We need to constantly assess our relationships. So I want you to just stop a minute and be very honest with yourself. Just look at the list and tell the truth. Are you passive? Do you seek attention? Have you got relationships that are unpleasing to God? Have you not studied? Number four, being ignorant of God's will causes people to perish. It means they have the form, but they're not functioning. The worst one, unbelief, negativity, God help us. Unconfessed sin and bad midwives just not being filled with the Holy Ghost, basically. Empty houses. We don't want to be empty. I trust it goes without saying that we forgive all people all the sins they have committed against us. And we make a commitment to crucify our own flesh, not the devil. We will drive him out. So I, I don't know how serious you are. I don't. And I tell you this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you in a minute. Not yet. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes in just one moment. And if you want to change so that power can flow through you, when nobody's looking, I'll ask the worship team not to look either. But if you want to change and move on, then there's only going to be one person in this room that will look. If you will forgive me, that will be me because I want to know the state of my flock. But I commit to you, I promise, I will never breathe a word of hand up or hand down. I just want to know how you are, how safe you are, how open you are, and secretly and privately, I will see you if I need to and help you. Bow our heads. And please give everybody the privacy that they deserve in this place. And close your eyes. You can take this list home and you can meticulously go through it and invite God to deal with you on all these issues as we proceed. But just for now, it will be Jesus, God Almighty, will see your hand. Would you raise your hand if you want to get ready to change in all these ways?
Hallelujah.